everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. Today is our March episode of Three Things. Well, before we get into highs and lows, I feel like we forgot to do this last time. Should we tell the people the preview of the things? What have you brought for us today? My first one is a little pop culture moment. I want to talk about the Hailey Bieber, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez thing. Oh, I want you to explain that to me. Okay, I will explain what I know and we can we can discuss our thoughts or lack thereof. Cause I feel like everything I've learned about this situation has been against my will. You know, that that's how it feels with this. My second thing is I want to know your go-to fun fact for icebreakers. Okay. So what is the thing that you throw out there in a meeting or you, or we can go further back, what you did in school, your truth? the two truths and a lie, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever. The third one, I want to go down memory lane and I want to know one thing 16-year-old Becca would be surprised about, about your life today. Oh, okay. One thing they would be really proud of. Uh Uh-huh. And one thing they would hate. Okay. Or they would not understand at all. Okay. Okay. And they would want you to do something different, something like that. Okay. okay, so that's what I've brought for you. Great. <laughs> what are yours? I have a pop culture one to start as well. I want to talk about, I want your take on the fact that Ben Savage, Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World <laughs> is running for Congress. I'm so glad you're giving me the space to address this publicly. I have some sub questions <laughs> as well. I want to talk about two very big podcast milestones that we have coming up at the end of this month, the beginning of next month. It is the five-year oh. anniversary of the podcast and it is the one-year anniversary of you hosting. So I want to take a moment to reflect on your okay. thoughts and in general. That'll be fun. And then at dinner last week, I was out with friends and this question came up of how many fork in the road moments do you have in your life where you made a decision, Ooh. not something happened to you, but you made a decision And there are alternate universe versions of you out there who are noticeably measurably different because of these decisions. So I want to know how many you have and what they are. Okay. Wow. That's a great one. We're going to get really nostalgic on this episode. I know. I feel like we we kind of both brought similar first and third things without discussing it. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. Well, before we go there, let's talk about highs and lows. Yes. What is your high? My high is that I have been on a little whirlwind travel spree. I was in Maine again. (laughs) Um, I went skiing in a different place in Maine. I was at Sunday River for my friend Molly's birthday. And then I was in Vegas for the Ambie Awards, which Bone Mary Berry was nominated for. And both trips were so great. So we went to Maine. I love Maine. Got to see Ruby again. She's so much bigger. Oh my God, she's huge. She's getting really big. I know. She's like almost an adult. Ruby is the golden retriever that I was dog sitting a few weeks ago. And this weekend was perfect. We rented a house. There were six of us. Only half of us were were skiing. I was not among the skiing crowd. And on Saturday, it ended up snowing all day. It snowed like I think 15 inches. And we just had this perfect snowed in cozy day. We did puzzles. We played Yahtzee. Like it was so cute. We just watched it snow outside. We made frozen pizzas. It was 
perfect. It looked very ideal. I liked the, was there a lobster sweater involved or am oh, I yes. imagining yes. that? My friend's boyfriend, Mike, who is my number one Instagram troll, him and I bought matching holiday lobster sweaters originally to wear when I was up there for New Year's and his got lost in the mail. And so we've not worn them together. And this was our chance to debut them. What a perfect moment to do so. They were very main. Um, And then I went to Vegas and the award show, I didn't know what to expect. It was, I was expecting high school awards night and it was much more, it was more well-produced than I'd expected. And I didn't expect to win. There was a two hour stretch right before the awards where I convinced myself that maybe we would win. But just being there, it, it was really legitimizing. You know, I feel like it, it just made me really proud of what we've created with rom-com pods and specifically with this show, Bone Mary Berry, and the fact that other people recognize it too. So it was just a really proud, a really proud evening. And then we lost and we got martinis and crab, which was great. (laughs) Martinis and crab, a classic combination. Loser special. But yeah, (laughs) I was going to say you should be very proud of yourself because that's really cool to be recognized in that way. It was cool. What is your high? My high, I guess, is kind of the opposite of your high, even though I am very jealous of all your travel. <laughs> but I I feel like I was traveling so much last year, which was my goal, that I had not had a long stretch of time where I was home for most of the year. I don't think I was home for more than a month. So to have like a solid chunk of like four or five, six months where we're not going anywhere is kind of great. We have a few things, tiny things planned, but I'm loving it. It's very relaxing. I was thinking about this today in the context of my own life because I have, I don't have a lot of big trips, but I have a lot of little trips planned throughout the first half of the year. And I was thinking, I feel like I keep ending up being in quote unquote recovery mode, getting home, being tired, needing to do laundry needing to catch up on work things. And I'm like, I want to be home and be in thriving mode, not in recovery mode. I get that. Yeah. We did a lot of like four to five day trips last year. And I feel like it's just a different type of experience than like a two week vacation where you are checking out completely. I feel like it takes you a couple days to like relax and then you're kind of heading back already. So it's it's just a different, it's a different thing, Yeah, but it's fun. What about, what about your low? My low is, you know, I didn't, this sounds, this is going to sound probably really naive, but I did not expect it to be that much colder here than Philly. That doesn't sound naive. I I didn't expect that either. Yeah. I mean, it is four hours North, but I feel like by this time in Philly, this time of year, we would be getting like pretty consistently like 50, 55, 60 degree days. And we have gotten a ton of snow here that I'm not really used to, which is really beautiful and fun. But also, like, it's just not getting to 50 (laughs) at all. And I feel like I need a little bit of hope that spring will come. I know it will. But I'm so anxious to see where we live in the spring and also just, like, feel warmth again. So it just kind of feels like an endless winter. But that might be because, like, we've only been here in winter. We've So maybe it's that. I don't know. What's your low? My lowest, I think I'm getting a cold. I Uh-oh. have not been sick outside of having COVID twice. I haven't been sick in three years, basically. And I feel like I'm getting a cold and I am unprepared. Oh, no. 
are you sure? Like, are you like, yeah, it's happening? Or is it the beginning stage where you're like, maybe I just, I don't know, stayed up too late? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure if it's happening. I, I took a bunch of COVID tests. It's not that. It could just be kind of nasal congestion from flying. I've been on a lot of airplanes in the past five days. It could be just being run down. But yeah, I am like, ugh. Well, I hope you feel better. I've been hearing about like norovirus going around. Oh, I don't want which that. I'm scared, scared, but I hope everyone is feeling okay, including you. I, I hope so too. I hope it just passes. Well, let's take an ad break. So I don't know about you, Becca, but I love the idea of everyday tiny luxuries. And for me, that's things like having a giant water bottle full of ice cold water, using my daily eye cooling little depuffer thing, (laughs) or just reading and drinking coffee in the morning. But another little luxury that I'm really loving lately is having the perfect loungewear set. And I feel like I found exactly that with Cozy Earth's amazing sweatshirt and jogger set. So I also love my Cozy Earth set and my Cozy Earth socks, which we've talked about here before. And if you're not familiar with Cozy Earth, because I wasn't before they reached out to us about advertising, the brand crafts luxury goods that have been featured on Oprah's favorite things. And I trust Oprah's opinion when it comes to textiles, personally. And all (laughs) products, yeah, right? And all products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo and come with a 10-year warranty. And I will tell you, As I just mentioned, I've been on a lot of planes in the past five days. This has become my traveling uniform. I like that the set is comfortable, that it feels like being in your comfiest sweatpants, but it looks put together because it's a matching set color-wise and because it's not dumpy. The joggers retain their shape enough So it doesn't look like you're wearing sweats. Like it looks more tailored than that. And I really love that. And the fabric is so breathable. Like I just have nothing but good things to say. I'm actually upset right now that my uh, Cozy Earth set is in the wash. Yeah, I, I hate that. And I get this like little burst of joy whenever I realize that it's clean. Cause I'm like, oh, I can just throw this on and feel both put together and comfortable. Another thing about the material is not only is it warm and cozy and really holds its shape, but it's also very breathable and kind of cooling at the same time. No one likes to get sweaty in a loungewear set. I I at least don't. Another cool thing is Cozy Earth's women's loungewear is actually crafted from the same breathable and luxurious material as their bedding. So if you would like to join the club and get a matching set so you can match with us and you want to try some Cozy Earth loungewear or their socks or even their bedding, which I'm very curious about, Cozy Earth provided an exclusive code for our listeners today. You can get 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com when you use the code BOP. That's 35% off, which is such a generous discount, with the code BOP at CozyEarth.com. So what should we kick off this three things episode with? Which thing? You went first. Tell me about Haley Bieber and Selena Gomez. I'm actually really curious because I have not dove into this story. I see people talking about it and I don't have an opinion because I don't know what happened. So I'd I'd love to be brought up to speed. Okay. I will start by saying that I am not an expert about this. So if I get a detail wrong, I apologize to the believers out there. Is that what they're called? Believers? Believers? 
I loved that disclaimer. I feel like usually podcast hosts give that disclaimer when they're about to give medical or mental health advice. And you're like, all right, Selena Gomez fans, I'm this not an expert. This is actually more complicated than that, I think. More layered. It goes back many years. So essentially, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber dated on and off for, I believe, like six years, maybe longer. And somewhere in that period, there was some weird stuff with Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin. They like kissed or hooked up, but they were also friends. And when Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez broke up at the end of that six years, he ended up getting engaged to Haley Baldwin, like something like three months later, two months, maybe it was like right after. So everyone was like justice for Selena, whatever. A lot of people think that they're like meant to be together. And Justin is like being held against his will. Anyway, over the years, and specifically in the past six months, I guess there have been a few posts from Haley Bieber and Kendall Jenner and Kylie Jenner. They're involved somehow, too, because when are they not involved in something going on on the Internet? You know, they have to be where they were throwing shade at Selena through various TikToks and like Instagram posts. I mean, about silly stuff. Like Like how directly? (sighs) Okay, I'll give you an example, please. One of them is that Selena was photographed in a bathing suit and she had gained some weight, I guess. They weren't particularly, I don't like using this word, but flattering photos, whatever. That's how it was reported. And then Haley Bieber posted a TikTok with the sound that's like, God's timing is always right. So with with Kendall Jenner and someone else. I forget who. Showing anyway, the photos the, of Selena Gomez? Like No, no, no. The implication is just that she was saying like, I don't know, like you deserve it, which is horrible on a variety of levels. But anyway, a I'm stretch, trying to What I'm trying maybe. to ascertain here is how much of this is she's directly being mean versus how much of this is the internet interpreting things that may or may not be there. This is what I am trying to figure out. The other thing is Selena Gomez posted about her eyebrows being over laminated. And then Kylie Jenner posted a screenshot of her FaceTiming with, I think, Hailey Bieber of close-ups of their eyebrows. And people were like, what could this mean except for that they were commenting on this? Mm. Anyway, then it spiraled and everyone was saying that like, Haley Baldwin like had this years long plan to like trap Justin Bieber and marry him and he's miserable and it's like look at him in this video he looks like he's being held hostage and all of this stuff and I just I don't know I don't and also all of these videos that are going viral are always accompanied with like this story from someone saying they want they met Haley Baldwin once and she was horrible I don't know. I don't know what to believe, Becca. I don't know why I have to have an opinion, but I feel that I do. And it's unclear what that opinion is. Oh, you don't have one yet. I don't. I don't. I'm team Selena with no context whatsoever. I, I, yeah. I know that some people thought that she was a little mean in her documentary, which I also didn't watch. So these are just fully. I didn't watch it Fully. Opinions We're just based on vibes, not facts. But I just. I, <laughs> Team Selena, I don't know why. I am too. I am too. I definitely think there is a mean girls vibe that that seems to be there. I actually did interact with Haley Baldwin once. I don't know. Have I told you this? No. So I was 
in college and I was interning at fashion week and, um, she had to sign in and she just came to the little table where I was signing people in. I was like name. And she just looked at me like I should have known. I was like, I have no idea who you are. She was like Haley Baldwin. I was like, Oh, I can't find you. Like, how do you spell Haley? And anyway, she just looked very generally annoyed at me, but I can't say that means that she's a mean person. And I, I don't know if I like the, the TikTok thing, the eyebrows thing, like, are we all just overanalyzing all of this? Having said that, I'm still Selena on instinct. Team Selena, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. I saw a headline that she's lost a million followers. I don't know on what platform, but in general, it seems like yes. people are turning on her, which is really interesting because I feel like she has been the ultimate inspiration of everyone's trying to get her hair and her nails and her clothes. Like everyone's yes. trying to imitate her. So it's interesting that now they're turning on her. I will say I feel like we're in an era of like it's cool to be kind where we don't want our celebrities to be mean versus if Mm -hmm. you think back to like the 90s and Naomi Campbell's throwing phones at people like we we don't have that anymore of a celebrity. So it might be interesting for someone just to be out and out like a terrible person (laughs) just for entertainment value. I should say there's another very creepy thing, which is people editing stuff Selena Gomez has done with stuff Hailey Bieber has done. And it like mirrors each other almost exactly. For example, Selena Gomez has a tattoo of the letter, I think, G on her neck to represent her sister's name. Hailey Bieber has the letter G tattooed on her neck in the same place but no one knows what it stands for. That's a little weird, don't you think? I'm trying to, what's that movie with Leighton Meester where she's the roommate who... I think it's called The Roommate. Is it called The Roommate where she's like, I think so. Trying to steal her roommate's like life <laughs> yes. and identity. I mean, that's that what be, TikTok is saying. That would be real interesting if that were the case. I My final question for you. Yeah. I saw a video or something, a prediction that said... Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber will either be divorced or be having a child by the end of this year. Fully agree. Do you believe that? Okay. Yeah. And if so, which one? Great question. Just just based on you having very little information about everything going on here, pure instinct. I'm going to go with having a baby. I Mm. think that without him, her star would fall pretty quickly. Because she's, you know, she is just a famous person. I guess she has a skincare line, but she's not an actor. She's not a singer. I guess she's kind of a model. So I I think she's going to stick with him. And I think they're going to have a baby together. Mm. Whether or not their love is real. Mm. What I, do you think? I agree with you. You agree? Okay. I think, yes. I think she, if she is not already pregnant will be on I think it must have been Dumois I think I saw a blind item that she is sleeping with her personal trainer wow I don't know this none of this is factually based (laughs) we're just throwing out theories don't sue us it's we're just it's casual it's It's fine fine. it's fine uh this is why we're not a pop culture podcast like we're we're doing (laughs) we're more just two people talking about things with very little (laughs) Very little forethought. Anyway, moving on. Let's get to your first thing. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about, I saw a Instagram announcement that Ben Savage, 
Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World is running for Congress in California. And I was shocked. I was shocked because, first of all, it doesn't seem like he has the public profile to do something like this. I mean, I guess he's a beloved child star in some ways, but he's not relevant anymore. And I just, I was really confused. So I wanted to know what you thought as somebody much more in the Boy Meets World universe. And then I have some follow-up questions. Okay. So I wasn't that surprised because he ran for public office. He ran for something else. I would have to look it up. Oh, he did. So this is a Clay Aiken thing. Let me... (laughs) Good old Clay Aiken. Um, Let me look up what he ran for really quick because everyone kept sending this news to me. And I was like, first of all, this is not the first time. Wow. And Savage has run for office. Let me see. He went to Stanford. Good for him. Did you know that? No. Well, whatever. Let's get into it. He interned for a senator in 2003 as like a requirement at Stanford where he has a degree in political science. Okay. And in 2022, he was a candidate for city council in West Hollywood. He was not elected. Okay. Now he is running for Congress. So that's a little background. So I, I had seen him say that he was running for city council, so I wasn't, like, shocked. Okay, so you're changing my mind a little that he has more business doing this than I maybe would have assumed at first glance. But I guess my first follow-up question for you is if you could vote for any Boy Meets World cast member to be an elected public official, who would it be? Oof. This is interesting, because I feel the most familiar with Will Friedle, Daniel Fischel, and Ryder Strong because sure, of sure. their podcast. I feel like either Ryder Strong or Daniel. Okay. I feel like Daniel would be very good at being like middle of the ground. And this is the people, not the characters, by the way. If we were going to do characters, that's a whole other thing. Which okay. wh- Wait, which question were you asking? Characters or? I don't know. Pick your, pick your poison. Whatever. Okay. I feel like my politics would probably most align with Ryder's, but Danielle would be good at, at working across the aisle to get things done. Okay. And I don't know why I have such strong feelings about this, but. Okay. I think I would. That's where I am. In a different time, I would have picked Mr. Feeney. I did just look it up and he's 95 years old. So I don't think that he is running for much of anything right now. But I just feel like he had a really reasonable, calming presence, whether or not that's actually how he is in real life. If he could just affect that, I think that would probably that would probably be a really soothing presence in Congress. Did you also think he had a British accent growing up? Sure didn't. Oh. <laughs> no. Well, he has like that that mid-Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. But to me, it always seemed very British. Okay. But uh, that is a solid choice because it's Feeney. Yeah. Okay. So outside of the Boy Meets World universe, if you could vote for one celebrity... Who do you think would be the best celebrity to be in government? I feel like we've been down this path before as a country and it hasn't <laughs> it hasn't played out well. But let's see. Um gosh, this is a tough question. I know you have someone, so why don't you well, throw out your pick? I I have some initial thoughts that I'll share, but then I have some thoughts on those thoughts. So when I first saw this and I was texting with friends about it, my first inclination was that I I thought that The Rock 
who I know was exploring a run for president, like I was like, you know, I think The Rock would be great in politics. Nobody works harder than The Rock. I think he's a genuinely caring person. And I was like, yeah, I I would love to see The Rock in politics. I then looked it up and realized he's a Republican. So, you know, if he were running in my local district against a Democrat, I probably wouldn't vote for him. But if, for instance, he wanted to run for governor of Florida, absolutely. I would support The Rock against uh, against DeSantis for sure. Oh, if it was like in a primary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, or if he wanted to like run for Mitch McConnell's seat, by all means, go for it, The Rock. So uh, the first is The Rock, but I don't know that I necessarily stand by that. My second thought was Tom Hanks, who is a Democrat, Mm. because I feel like Tom Hanks is such a congenial guy that who could attack Tom Hanks in Congress and get away with it? You know, I feel like it would be a real consensus builder. It's hard to get yourself to go there when you're looking at, you know. Yeah. You're an actor we all love. So I stand by both of those. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, why are both of my choices men? Like that, there's some internalized misogyny there. And I was like, why don't I want it to be like Meryl Streep or Michelle Obama? And I think the answer is because I want better for them than the bullshit of dealing with <laughs> fighting in Congress. anyone that runs for office has something slightly off with them. I'm not saying that every politician is a horrible person, but I just think it requires a certain something that I don't trust. (laughs) I have another answer too, just for entertainment value. Oh yeah. Throw it out there. I think it would be delightful to get Cardi B in Congress, throw back to her bad girls club days, just like starting fights, yelling at people, telling people off, like would watch it. I would be glued to C-SPAN. Glute. She would be direct, and we need that. I I think that would be a solid choice, honestly. Have you come up with any answers of, of who you would like to see as a celebrity in government? No, because I'd want to think about this more, but I can give you someone that has talked about running that I really hope does not run. Okay, who is it? Matthew McConaughey. Oh, God. All right, all yeah. right, all right. But, yeah, uh... I, I'm trying to sort out what my feelings are on should celebrities be able to run for office? Not should they, but like, how do I feel about it? Should we make a law that they can't? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But, you know, it's like anyone from any other profession can run. So why not them? Or why would I find a problem with them? And it's like if you surround yourself with smart people and you're just kind of the figurehead of this, I guess there's not a huge problem with it. But you need an ego and charisma. So I guess why not in some ways? But... I don't I mean, know. There's it, a lot it, of overlap. It's performance. I feel like I have a prejudice against celebrities running for office, which is maybe unfair. Like I said, I feel like our experience with that as a nation has not been great. Sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I feel like we we may need to see what the opposite of that looks like. Maybe it's Ben Savage. Imagine that second act. Imagine I, if you could it see... Could happen. Your president's, this is down the line, he gets elected to Congress, he runs successfully for, you know, a few more offices, and then he's elected president. Imagine if you could see your president's first kiss on a TV show. (laughs) It would be wild. It would be wild. It would be wild. I don't actually know what his, like, I know he's running as a Democrat, but I don't know his platform or anything, so maybe I'll look into it more. 
great. <laughs> great. What was your next thing? Remind me. Oh, my next thing was what was what was or is your go-to uh, like fun fact for an icebreaker? Oh, okay. Yeah. A, yeah. Okay. I have two. It depends on the crowd. I feel like we talked about this on the podcast a while back. So I don't have new ones, oh, yeah. unfortunately. So if it is in a very buttoned up or professional setting that isn't very fun or rowdy, my fun fact would be that I had a podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I am remembering this conversation. I apologize. Yes. It's I okay. still like hearing that that's your fun fact, though. And then uh, if it's in a, you know, fun, younger crowd, maybe a little boozy, my fun fact would be that one time John Stamos kissed my hand, which happened at a Beach Boys concert when I was in fourth grade. Still a good one. Still a good one. Still a good one. Still a good one. So the, those are my my fun facts, and they they haven't been updated in, you know, like five years since I started the podcast, I guess. Well, you know, don't fix it if it's not broken. Yeah. What's yours? Well, now I feel like I said it already, but as a child, it was that my mom has 10 siblings. That was a solid one. I'd always go back to that. Not exciting, but I feel like Novel. everyone's always like, oh, let's take a quick break. So I feel like we get threads in the Facebook group all the time with people asking for podcast recommendations that are similar to ours. So I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, which is called A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, hosted by Claire Mazer and Erica Cerullo. And if you're a longtime listener, you might remember that they were guests way back in 2019. Their show has a similar two friends talking vibe, just like ours, and covers a wide range of topics from how to find the perfect t-shirt to how to shop responsibly to what actually happens when you go to get a mammogram or a colonoscopy. And there's also fun stuff like where to get the best snacks. Like I said, it has a very similar vibe to us and it's very fun. It feels like eavesdropping on your coolest friends, just shooting the shit. And they have some of the best niche shopping recs for everything from clothes to home to baby gear. And Claire has a toddler son, so if that's something you can relate to, it would be an even better listen. And they have a pretty big back catalog just like us, but you can truly jump in anywhere. And if you're looking for a specific place to start, I particularly loved last week's episode, which was called Tantrum Logic, Serendipity Tax, and Food Revelations. And most of the episode was them having this conversation about new recipes and cooking hacks and cookbooks, and it was so relatable and also helpful. I walked away with just a whole bunch of new dinner recipes to try. And I know people are always asking me about cooking inspiration in Instagram Q&A, so I feel like this one would be a great place to start. So if you're looking to add a new podcast to your lineup, give a thing or two with Claire and Erica a listen, but promise you'll still listen to our podcast too, because theirs is so fun and chatty and smart. I just know you're going to get sucked in. Um, some more things. I wanted to acknowledge a couple of podcast milestones. I don't actually like when podcasts do episodes that are very like, here's the best of our archives. And they like stitch together all of the old ones. I, I don't know. I kind of find that a little boring and repetitive if I'm a very avid listener. But I did just want to mark the occasion that March 28th is the five-year anniversary of Bad on Paper, which is wild. The first episode went live March 28th of 2018. And April 1st is your one-year anniversary as a podcast co-host. 
I've been thinking about how it's been almost a year and it is so wild to me. Like it has flown by. Well, I wanted to know if you have a thing that you're proudest of and I wanted to know how it was similar or different from what you expected. Oh, I think I'm proudest just of doing it. (laughs) And I also think getting better at it (laughs) and being more confident in talking into a microphone every week, mostly on my own in a room. Of course, you're here like virtually, but it's an uncomfortable thing at first if you're not used to it. Just every conversation we've had where people say that they got something out of it or they related, like it just means so much to me. So to be part of that and to have, you know, done it with you for a year is so cool. And what was the second question? In what ways is it similar or different than you expected? Oh, I like it a lot more than I thought I would. So you just said yes, Um, expecting that you weren't going to like it? No, I guess I was just, as I, this is just how my brain works. I was just anticipating the the ways that I might not like it or something. You know, I like when I first signed on, I was like, well, what if I do it for a year? And then I'm like, I like, I want to make sure I can like get out if I need to or whatever. But I wasn't sure. I just didn't know. And I thought like, maybe it's not for me. Who knows? Um, like I thought I would be good at it and I thought I would like it, but I didn't know I would like it this much. Oh, I'm so flattered by that. Yeah. Not that really I have fun. anything to do with that, but I'm I'm flattered that you like being well, here and you're not being held you against your I mean, will. I I love talking about this stuff every single week and all of it and just chatting. So it's been great. How about you? I don't know. How have I exceeded your expectations or disappointed you wildly? <laughs> <laughs> um you've exceeded my expectations in every way. I was so nervous when Grace said that she was going to leave the podcast because I still wanted to do it. And, you know, she has such a bigger social media following than I do. And I know a lot of people came here initially because they followed her. And I was so nervous that it would just be a mass exodus. And then I would just be shouting into the void at no one. uh, And this whole thing would fall apart like a hastily constructed house of cards. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that people have stayed. I, I didn't know you well at all. We'd, we'd spoken three times when you became a, a <laughs> podcast host. And I, it was such a shoot from the hip decision. I have no regrets, but I, I it was looking back. I'm like, that was ballsy. And um, <laughs> it could have gone very bad. Yeah, it could have gone really badly. And it, it hasn't. It's been great. I remember feeling truly after recording the first time together, the first episode we did together, I was like, oh this, this, like it just felt, it felt like something clicked. Like nice. It felt really good. Yeah. It's always felt very natural. Like it's, I was nervous at first. And so I think that made me a little less comfortable with podcasting in general, but in terms of like the conversations, it's always felt easy. I I can't believe that I've been doing this for five years. It's, it's fundamentally changed my life in a lot of ways. Congratulations. Seriously. Thank you. You and Grace built something really cool. I just had no expectations coming into it. And I, I, I truly, truly think it's, it's changed my life fundamentally. I, I think in the largest way, giving me the confidence to write a book, you know, having talked to so many authors through this podcast, like I don't know that I would have had the courage to do it if not for this podcast. And it's also given me so many friends. Like I've, I have met so many people through this podcast who have become IRL friends in the past five years. I'm so grateful 
and I'm so grateful for the community too. Like I mm-hmm. don't have a lot of friends in in real life who have the same reading tastes as me or who read as voraciously as I do. And having this community of people who are so excited about books and who are all, you know, with our book club are all reading the same book and want to talk about it. Like, oh, it just, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. It's really, really cool. I feel really, really cool. schmoopy. Like I, I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy and so grateful. And, and like, if you had told six years ago, Becca, that I was going to have a podcast for five years, I would have been like, what? <laughs> no. Yeah. Your life is like completely different now. Completely. That's pretty cool though. Cause it's like, pretty six cool. Years is a long amount of time, but also not. So yeah. it's crazy how much you can create and change in yes. your life in that small period. Yes. And I still, it's very I, inspiring. I just love that this exists that I could listen back to in the future. Like it's almost like an audio diary in some ways and I'll probably find it cringy and stupid, but it exists. But it's real life. <laughs> it's real life. What's your last thing? Oh, well, I guess my last thing is fitting because it was to ask you to name something teenage Becca, 16 year old Becca would be surprised about, about your life now uh-huh. would second thing. These can all overlap by the way, but wait, I need to write these down. Love. <laughs> okay. Something she would be surprised about mm-hmm. something she would love or be proud of and something she would hate <laughs> or not understand at all. Like, didn't see that coming or mm. whatever. Okay. I would say 16-year-old Becca would be incredibly surprised that I'm not married with children. Really? Yes. And I think that that's only because of, you know, media portrayals that says that that is the sequence of adult events that you go through. And so I I always assumed that I would be married and want to have children. And I don't want to have children, even if I were to be married. And so I think I would be really surprised by that. And I don't know that I would have understood that at that time. Cause I think you just assume that at some point you'll want that. And that's never come for yeah. me. So yeah. I think that would be pretty surprising. I think that she would love and be really proud of the fact that I wrote a book and that my book is coming out, I also think that she wouldn't be able to believe that. Like I have been a, such a big reader my entire life. And I I feel like authors are this other class of celebrity. And I, I don't think that I would be able to, you know, like I never had an aspiration of being an actor or a singer. I'm a terrible singer. I'm a terrible actress. <laughs> and I think like I would just be so starstruck by being an author. Yeah. I mean- it's pretty incredible. I think one thing that 16-year-old me would hate or not understand, I think going back to last week, I think 16-year-old me would hate my current personal style crisis and hate the fact that even though I can afford designer clothes, I'm not buying them. Like I have been such a clothes horse, such a sidelines fashion enthusiast my whole life. And, you know, when you're 16, you, you know, luxury is shopping at coach or, you know, my Kate Spade bag or something. And I think that current me would be baffled by 
how I am not spending my money just on designer labels and hyper trendy clothes. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like as a teenager, you know, like, like exactly what you would do with your life if you had the the agency to do it. And yeah. Then, then you get to be an adult and you're like, actually, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, also that seems financially irresponsible to just be throwing that around, <laughs> which at 16, yeah. I was like, I was terrible with money. It was like, you have money, you spend money. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a part of being 16 too. Yeah. I don't know that any of those were like particularly surprising or insightful. What do you have? What would tell I still me like yours? hearing them? Um, we'll start with the the hating one, I guess. I think definitely sixteen year old me would hate that I'm I I weigh more now instead of weigh less oh. than I did when I was sixteen. I think I would be like, "What do you mean? Like, how are you married if you weigh more? How are how are you? How does anyone like you? Or how are you successful or do anything? Because like, you're you know." I just only pictured life and like life milestones as like a significantly thinner person. Mm. Like that's which I, maybe that's how most teenagers are, at least in my generation, for sure. Maybe not so much now, but that was just like how my brain operated. So I think she would hate that. But I also give her a lot of grace because she had a lot to learn and a lot of ways to think differently about, you know, beauty. Let's see. What is the next one? What would I be proud of? Hmm. Oh, I think I would be proud that I I work for myself. I think that never seemed like a possibility in high school. Like it just didn't even cross my mind. I didn't even know people really that just worked for themselves. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even feel like that was a an option. Like I, I don't think there was anyone in my life when I was 16 who worked for themselves. Yeah. No, I never heard about it or read about it. It was like, like you said, it was like, oh, that's what like, you know, singers and actors do. They just mm-hmm. start, like free spirits and artists. And I guess going off of that, I think what Teenage Me would love is the fact that I do anything creative with my life, like writing. I don't know if I even like believed in myself as a writer then to imagine that, but I always was like drawn to creative things and so the fact that that's part of my my job is still wild to me and would be wild to me then. But I would be like, man, that's awesome. So, yeah, those are a few things. Okay, I'm very excited for my last one. We had such a good discussion about this at dinner a couple of weeks ago. It's such a good question. My friend Lydia, who's going through some major life changes right now, was asking what are the moments in your life that are true fork in the road moments where, you know, sometimes you can only recognize them very far down the line. But as you see now, what are the major fork in your life moments where there would be an alternate universe version of you with a completely different life from you? And I'm talking about decisions you made. I'm not talking about things you happen, things that happened to you. Like I'm not talking about like if my mom hadn't died, then X, Y, Z. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about things that are out of your control, but you know, like people were talking about boyfriends that they were sure that they we're going to be with that they they eventually dumped. Or um, my friend Sarah was saying when she got her first dog as an adult, because now she's such a dog person. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm just curious how many of those moments you can pinpoint for yourself and what they are. Do you have one right off the bat? Do you want to start? I have mine. I, I have six that I, I came up oh. with. Okay. Go for it. It'll probably spark my thoughts as well. Okay. So my first one is going to Boston College for college. 
I applied to kind of a bunch of different places. All of them were in the kind of northeast area. So I would have ended up geographically in a similar place, but like could have ended up in a different city, could have ended up in D.C., could have ended up in Baltimore, could have ended up, I can't remember where else I applied. Anyway, so I feel like my life would have been really, really different if I'd gone somewhere else, not just in terms of what my college experience was like, but I've, I've met some of my very best friends to this day through college. And so I wouldn't have known those people. And so I feel like my social circle, my just everything about my life would be really different if I went to a different college. And I feel like that was also kind of like my first adult decision where I had agency. Yeah. So that's my first one. My second one is quitting my traditional consulting job after college and moving to San Francisco. I did it for two and a half years and was like, wow, this is not fulfilling. And I feel like there could definitely be an alternate version of Becca who still lives in Boston, who works in some type of corporate nine to five type job. A lot of my friends still live there. So it would have been like very easy for me to just stay. And instead of like quitting that job and changing careers to just like go get a slightly different job and stay in the same city. My third one is taking the job at Bobble Bar and moving to New York. I was living in San Francisco for two years. The company I worked for folded and I really wanted to work in fashion. And I I said to myself, like, okay, I guess I either have to move to New York or LA. So I guess there could be an alternate version of me that moved to LA. Oh, wow. What is LA Becca like? Oh my God. She would have the highest insurance premium on the planet (laughs) because I am such a bad driver. (laughs) Just accident after accident after accident. That is an LA thing, driving. Like, maybe she would have a vehicular manslaughter charge. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I hope not. I don't know what LA Becca would be like. It's interesting to speculate. I feel like you'd be very good friends with, like, a famous actor. Oh. Like, I could see that. Okay. For sure. Okay. My fourth one is saying yes to the podcast. I feel like Mm. I could have so easily said no. I really only feel like I said yes because it was January when Grace asked me and I had a new year, new me mentality where I was like, I'm going to say yes more. And because I was unhappy in my job at the time, I feel like if she had caught me in September and I was happy at my job, I would have just been like, oh my God, no, find someone else, you know, because good choice. We were really good friends with or without the podcast. So it wasn't like I felt like I needed to do it. Right. Stay close to her. You know, I don't know. So I feel like I really easily could have said no. And my life would just be so much different in so many ways. I wouldn't have a public a public persona, I guess. I don't know what you want to call that. I wouldn't have met so many of these people in my life. I don't think I would have written a book because I don't think I would have had the confidence to do it. I also don't think I would have reconceived myself as a creative person. I, I spent so much of my life thinking that I was a left-brained, analytical, not creative person. Yeah. And I think I'm both. Like, I think just the narrative is like you can be left-brained or you can be right-brained. You can't be both. Mm-hmm. So if you're good at math, yeah. you're not creative. So yeah, saying yes to the podcast. My fifth one is starting rom-com pods, which was such a lark that we decided to do that. And I think that that really gave me a boot camp in how to tell a story. So I think that really set up me feeling able to write a book. I think without that, I maybe wouldn't have. And also just like, it it was like flexing my, not that this podcast isn't creative because I do think it is, but like it, it was me flexing my creative muscle for the first time, I guess. Yeah. And then the sixth one is selling my book. 
And I think that I very easily could have not finished the book, just given up, or it, it could have not sold. And I think, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this a lot before I was selling it. Like, what would I do if it didn't sell? Would I try again? Would I self-publish it? What would I have done? And Or would I just like collapse into a heap of <laughs> self-doubt? And I think any of those are options. So um, yeah, those are the six that I came up with off the top of my head. Those are great ones. It all It's interesting how it all just sort of builds to bring you where you are today. Well, I saw this Instagram quote a few weeks ago, something along the lines of what's meant for you will keep coming back for you. You know, mm-hmm. like there's no such thing as like missing the opportunity. Like it'll keep coming back. And I haven't talked about Shonda Rhimes' masterclass in a while, but it's still one of my <laughs> most formative experiences. Um, you know, she says that she doesn't write down ideas because if the idea is the right idea, it'll keep it won't leave her alone. It'll keep coming back. And so I do believe that in some ways where it's like, maybe if I hadn't discovered that I was creative through this podcast, I would have discovered it in a different way. And maybe it all would have ultimately led to the same place. But like, you know, I don't know if I believe in a multiverse theory, but like it just looking back at my life, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have been easily, happily, so many different versions of myself if I'd made different decisions. Yeah. It's it's a, I don't know. It's kind of a scary thought, but it also just feels very serendipitous that you're this version. It does. And I don't think that it's scary because I, I don't think the other ones would have necessarily been bad. I don't think that just because it's different, it's bad. And I would have found, I don't know, there would have been different things for me. And I, I don't know, but yeah. What are yours? <sighs> okay. How, do you know how many there are? No, okay. I'm just going to, when it feels like I'm in a good stopping point. <laughs> so the, the, ver- the first one is definitely choosing to go to the University of Florida, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make it more specific than that, which is joining this club called Florida Magazine Student Association, <laughs> FMSA, of which Jake was the vice president. But also that club is how I was first introduced to Bustle and... I started interning for them in college. So I did that. And then that brought me to working there because when I graduated college, they were like, hey, we have a job. And and I moved to New York, which would probably be my second decision saying yes to that job, which at the time felt less like a decision and more like, a, I guess this is what you're supposed to do. But it was a decision. <laughs> what would the alternate moving- version of Olivia had? What would she be doing? Would she just have stayed in Florida? So my plan was to, because I was still writing for Bustle and like interning, which what I was doing was freelancing, but I didn't actually like put that together. (laughs) So my plan was to travel. So I had entertained like moving to London and writing from there or just hopping around for a bit because Jake was still in law school. And I was like, I'm just going to go do my own thing, which I ended up doing anyway, but um, by moving to New York and living alone and stuff like that. So yeah, but it it was the right decision because that was a very cool job and taught me that I didn't want to be doing that forever. <laughs> um, and so I guess the second big decision would be or no, the you're third, on three, three, three. I'm um, writing them down for you. Quitting that job and leaving New York and moving to Philly. It's like all it all happened at once, so it's all going to be one thing. 
that was that was scary, but it was a really firm decision because I was very actively being like, I say no, no to this job. I quit <laughs> saying yes to this other thing and and doing that. And I guess I guess the, the next thing after that would be the decision to move here to this house. It still feels kind of weird so, that we like live in the, the Hudson Valley because I'm like, well, we never really thought about that. But here we are. Are you implying that saying yes to the podcast has not yet changed your life? I didn't want to copy because, all of yours. Because, I didn't ouch, want to copy all of yours. Ouch. It has, but, but no, it has, it has. It just, it's, it's not your fifth thing yet. <laughs> it took me. It has changed my life, but I we don't want to steal every single thing you said, Becca. We don't know. It, you know, when you've been doing it for five years, I'll ask you again. I'll be like, has this changed your life? It has. I hundred percent money back guarantee. What I will tell you that it's done is, which I didn't expect, is it's given me the confidence to like sort of evolve my career again, which I don't think I would have had before doing this, even though I might have had like inklings of it. It gave me the confidence to be more creative, to like own the fact that I want to be a writer and that I want to do that and have that be my job, to own the fact that I don't necessarily want to do influencer stuff forever, all of that. And in addition to everything I said earlier about being part of this community and like having these great conversations with you and talking about books all the time. So we'll call it, we'll call it four and a half because I forced one on you. I'm glad to be here in my life. Let's just say that. Yeah. This whole conversation is making me very uh, just grateful and nostalgic. And I don't know. Me too. Me too. Do you want to hear about my underwear? Yeah, tell us about skins. <laughs> Let's get out of it and get into some obsessions. <laughs> um, okay, so I mentioned skims fits everybody thong in our what hyped things are worth it episode because I'd just gotten them. And I'd like to officially double down here as an obsession. I just bought 10 more pairs of these because I want to switch. I want this to be my my primary underwear. Oh, for, I mean, I know that feeling. <laughs> and for a while, I was obsessed with these $3 airy thongs, which I'm still obsessed with. They, they wear out really quick. I'm so much more obsessed with the Skims Fits Everybody thong. It's all I want to wear. So I bought two five-packs. Nordstrom has five-packs. And I am now have two weeks, almost two weeks worth of Skims thongs. It's a power move. Wait, I want to hear when you sent your email newsletter about buying new underwear, What what underwear was it? Oh, okay. So I brought two brands. Okay. One of them was this Amazon brand that I bought before and I've loved, they kind of fall apart, but I just loved them. I ordered this, literally the same thing I had ordered. I ordered again, 20 pairs of them and they were completely different than oh. what I had ordered. Completely different. They changed everything and I just have to throw them away because they don't fit. You can't return um, them? I could. Can you return underwear? Did you take them all out of the package? No. You present a good point. I mean, if they're sealed. <laughs> you present a, I will. I still have them. So maybe I will. And then the other one is Parade, which you don't like. I don't like, no. But I, I, I do. The butt like part is made things. of razor blades. <laughs> Their thongs are so sharp. <laughs> I, I did not. I have not experienced that. If I had, I don't think I would have bought them, but. Maybe now I will. I'm wearing it right now. My butt does not feel poked, but anyway. To each their own. <laughs> Have you tried the Skims underwear? 
No, no, but I should. I just tried the shapewear and it was a very stressful experience. Maybe me, I should so. just send you a single pair of underwear in the mail. <laughs> I mean, just it's, it's fine. Just throw them at me. What's yours? Obsession. My obsession is this poet called Andrea Gibson. And I have listened to their work for since I was like in high school. But for some reason, their poems and stuff keep popping up recently. And I just love them. Everything they write and they share is so insightful. And they were diagnosed with cancer, I think, last year. Um, And they've had some really incredible poems about that experience, but just about life in general. And uh, yeah, I just really suggest following them and checking out their work. Okay. What'd you read? I read two things, finished two things. Uh, first one is a book I'm seeing everywhere, which is I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. I literally just finished this this morning. This book is like 500 pages. It is so long. Um, this one is about a podcaster who returns to her, the boarding school that she went to as a teen and reinvestigates a murder of her for- former classmate. This book is, it's a very interesting format. I don't know how to describe it really, but it took me a little bit to get into. But by the end, I was like just blowing through it and I had to know what happened. Um, I won't, the ending would surprise me. I'll say that. And uh, I think if you like true crime podcasts, then you would like this. I have two follow-up questions. Yes. Did you read The Great Believers? No. Okay. But I keep seeing... People say, I love that so much that it made me have such high expectations for this. Yes. Yeah. I've seen the same thing. And so that's why I was wondering if you had read that or not. No, but I kind of want to. I mean, I love the writing. The second thing is, so I read the first 60 pages of this and I just did not feel gripped by it. Even though the story, like the back cover description sounded really interesting to me. Should I un-DNF this? No, it's not for you. (laughs) Okay. It, it it does get significantly better, I think, as it goes. It's a little slow in the beginning, but I just still don't think it would be your cup of tea. Great. Thank you for saving me from my own TBR pile. You're so welcome. The second one I finished was The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz, who is the sister of Andrea Bartz, who yes. also writes thrillers. I also started this one. Couldn't do this, by the way. Oh, you started it? Yeah, I started it, and I, I want to keep reading it. I was starting a bunch of things... Uh, I I think I was trying to figure out book club picks for March and I decided I didn't want this to be it, but I I was really compelled by it. I'm going to go back to it. It's a, so if anyone out there is looking for a steamy thriller, this would be a good one. It's very steamy. Oh, (laughs) kind of not throughout, but there's a good amount of sex in it. But, um, this is about a writing retreat where four like amateur writers, go to a famous author's house in the middle of upstate New York, in the middle of nowhere, and basically compete for a book deal. Let me just say, it gets very, very wild at the end. (laughs) How how did you net out on this book? Because I have seen on the internet seemingly either five-star reviews or one-star reviews and nothing in between. I don't know how to describe this, but I understand both because it is so... 
the best, some books I read and I'm like, that was just fun. Like it was just pure wild entertainment. And that's what this was for me. If you like like a Rachel Hawkins kind of fast paced mm, vibe, then I think you'll like it, but it does get very, like just very wild at the end. Okay. Uh, but, but I liked it. I'm going to read this one. I'm intrigued. I think you will like it. And maybe. even in the first 50 pages, I really liked the intrigue about the ex-friend drama. I like things about complicated female friendship, so I'm I'm interested. <laughs> oh yeah, buckle up. Buckle Great. up. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. What what have you been reading? I finished a book called The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donohue, who is the host of the Sentimental Garbage podcast, and this comes out June 27th, and she's British or Irish, I'm not sure which. And I would compare this to Sally Rooney meets Dolly Alderton. So mm-hmm. it's literary, but it's funny. So the book is about a woman named Rachel, and it's narrated by her present day self who's in her mid-30s and is pregnant. And uh, she's telling this story about her early 20s, her last year of college and the year she graduated. It's all about her and her relationship with her gay best friend. And they both initially are in love with this professor of hers. And it's set in 2008, kind of right in the Great Recession and if you graduated into the Great Recession and were like struggling to find a job, I think you'll find a lot to relate to. It is very snarky, but very fun. I enjoyed it. I like. I don't think it's a five star read for me, but I think it was like a four star. Like I wasn't like, oh my god, I need to keep reading this. I can't put this down. But it was like very well done, and I I enjoyed it. And it was also very different than other books that I've read. So I really enjoyed that. Like I really enjoyed that I hadn't seen something similar to this before. Mm. That sounds good. And it's out June 27th. It's out June 27th. It's The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donohue. Has a great cover. Those are our six things, three things times two. Math. Math. (laughs) If you would like to tell us your fork in the road moments or what you think about Corey Matthews running for political office, please come join us in the Facebook group. (laughs) So much ground. Please come join us in the Facebook group and chat with us. Uh, Just search Bad on Paper Podcast on Facebook. Uh, We're also at Bad on Paper Podcast on Instagram. Oh, I forgot to tell you about Book Club. We have our book club in two weeks. It's The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. Read it. It's about everyone gets a string in the mail about how long they'll live. And it wreaks havoc. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to. I'm excited. Leave us a voicemail if you have thoughts about it that you want us to play on the air or if you have a question for us that you want us to tackle. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. Did I say that? No, but you are. I am. You are on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman, and I am on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. Oh, and join us next week because we have a a hot topic. A steamy topic, if you will. It's going to be fun. It's going to be something. All right. Bye. Bye. more things more things oh so oh go ahead no you go ahead what were you gonna say oh i was just gonna go into my third thing i haven't done my second thing oh rude did you not oh yeah yeah, you're right i i got them overlapped because 
क्यों है